I hope you kept Acts 3 marked, and if you didn't, go ahead and pull your Bible back out and uh, get to the third chapter of Acts, verse 3. We're going to continue on in the story of the, uh, of the crippled beggar. In Acts 3, verse 3, the crippled beggar saw Peter and John entering in, and he asked them for money. You know, one of the interesting things about uh, our brokenness, our need, is that we sometimes wrestle with what we truly need within our brokenness. You see, the crippled beggar was asking for money. That's what he thought he needed. In another interview, Nick Vujicic said that he prayed every day that God would bless him with arms and legs because he said, I thought that's what I needed. The challenge is not only recognizing that we are in need, but truly recognizing what it is that we need. So Peter and John have encountered the crippled beggar. In chapter 4, we learn that he's actually the age of of over 40 years old. So for four-plus decades, this man has sat begging needing, wanting the help of others. And Scripture says he sat outside of a gate called Beautiful. There were nine gates in all that entered into the temple area, four on the north, four on the south, and one in the east, none in the west. And the one in the east is the one that most believe was the actual gate referred to in Scripture as Beautiful, a very prominent entrance. That's where he sat. A lot of high traffic would come in and out, And that's where he would have the best chance to receive the most giving from people. It was a fairly common practice back then for people that were crippled or disabled or unable to work, even children. They would sit and they would ask. They would beg. I don't think it's that different today. We've all walked out of restaurants or shopping centers or places where we work driven through intersections, and seen people in need of help. No different then, no different today. In verse 4 of chapter 3, it says this, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. First of all, I think it's important to note this. For as many years as this man has sat, day after day, week after week, month after month, hundreds of people every day would walk right past him, inches from his nose. Most would pay no attention to him. Occasionally, one would throw him a coin or two. Very, very rarely did anyone ever speak to him. So you can imagine he was kind of taken back caught off guard when Peter spoke to him and said, look at us. And so he did. And then in verse 6, Peter says this, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. This is a 100% pure, bona fide, no doubt about it miracle. There's not a person in this room who would disagree or argue with that. You can't walk and you're allowed to walk. That's a miracle. And so the man got up and ran. And he jumped. And he sang. And he screamed. And he praised God. He didn't react any differently than you or I would if the exact same thing had happened to us. And then in verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who they had seen sitting and begging at the temple gate called Beautiful just even a few minutes prior to. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. There's so many things we can draw from these nine little verses in Acts 3. But there's a couple things in particular I want you to grab a hold of. And it's not just the amazing miracle of a man who once could not walk and then was granted the ability to walk. But some things that I want you to walk out this morning with that are applicable to your daily life. Because three very important things happened. And Peter teaches us something about the healing of God. Because I believe we have the same ability to heal as Peter did back then. That got your attention. The guy sleeping over there, his wife said, you better wake up. Matt's just said, we can heal people. I don't believe we're given the same spirit of healing that the apostles had. But I do believe that God can use us in the healing of one another. And I think Peter teaches us three very simple but essential steps in healing. Verse 4, it said, Peter looked straight at him and said, look at us. The first step in healing The first step in allowing God to use you to heal somebody is this. you got to see them. How many people walked by? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds walked by every week. They noticed him, but they never saw him the way Peter did. You know, so often it's a lot easier to just ignore the needs that we see around us. Because we're a little uncertain about how much time, money, or energy that need is going to cost me. It's a lot easier to just walk on by. You don't always have to even give them anything at all. Peter didn't give them a dime. But he saw a need. Step number one, see them looking into the eyes of another human being, granting them in a time of need one of the greatest gifts of all, and that is dignity and respect. See them. Step two, in verse six, Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Okay, here's the healing part. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ and do all things that you do in helping others in the name of Jesus Christ. 
whether you are praying with, in the midst of, or praying for at a later time, someone, pray always for them and their needs in the name of Jesus Christ. And in every opportunity that you have to help someone, you make it perfectly clear, as Peter did, this isn't me. This is about God. In everything I do in trying to help you, I do in the name of Jesus Christ. Do all things in the name of Jesus Christ. Step two. Step three. Verse seven, it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. The third step, and maybe the most important of all, extend a hand. I told you people walked by and didn't really pay much attention. Most of them didn't give him anything. The great majority of them didn't even say a word to him. And I promise you this, nobody touched him. Because that's not just something you did. Peter reached out his hand and grabbed a hold and lifted him up. Time and time again in Scripture, Jesus gives us examples of the power of touch. The power and the healing of touch. Extend a hand. Three very simple principles. See, do all things in the name of Jesus Christ and extend a hand. Three things that Peter exemplified. Because I don't want you to lose sight of this very important principle within this story, and that's this. The power of God in this moment, came down from God and God only through Jesus Christ. But it was Peter's hand that delivered the healing. The power was God's, but it was Peter's hand that delivered the healing. Church, make no mistake about it. We are the hands and the feet through which God heals us, one another, and this broken world. It's exemplified here, and I promise you it's still alive and well today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't lose sight of the significance of it was God's power, but it's our hands. I'm going to fast forward 30 or so years, and I want you to see Nick Vujicic today. The little boy that you saw a few minutes ago saying that his greatest struggle was not being able to reach up and grab a game because he doesn't have arms or legs. I want you to see Nick today. Watch this short video. The victory is not when I stand up. The victory is when I know that I can't do this on my own. If God could cause a man without arms and legs to smile, then God can definitely cause us to be thankful and to hang on to the hope that we have. If I am here to tell just one more soul about Jesus, that they may spend eternity with God, no matter what God puts me through here on this earth, I know that I still can be you. I said, God, if you made me without arms and legs just for one more soul, then it's all worth it. Meet Nick Vujicic, a man living a life of victory, a life with birds, 
If you're praying for a miracle, if God doesn't give you the miracle, you will be the miracle for somebody. What I love about that is I love the fact that the spirit with which Nick lives his life. It's truly amazing to see a man who has no arms and legs and for nearly 40 years of his life as he shares in another video he still prays that God will give him arms and legs but the spirit of Nick says this if God doesn't give me the miracle then I am going to be the miracle for someone else but an unbelievable humble act but a humble spirit and you know I've wrestled a lot with this scripture because I think so often we focus in on the crippled man and the fact that God healed him through Peter and yes that is amazing and it's miraculous and it is something I have never witnessed and I hope to someday see with my own eyes God do something like that but I'm not convinced that's the greatest, most amazing miracle in these chapters. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Don't tell Keith that I told you this. But in a couple weeks, we're going to get to a part of the story. Same day, a few hours later, Scripture says thousands of men came to believe in the power of Jesus Christ and were saved. And you want to know why they were saved? They were saved because of a dirty, grungy, worthless, crippled beggar sitting at the side of a gate. They saw what God did. The man that everybody thought was worthless and his life was pointless God saved and healed spiritually thousands through him. Church, that's a miracle. Take nothing away from the man who's able to walk, but thousands were healed through the blood of Jesus Christ that day. I love how Nick says, if everything I've encountered in life, everything I've dealt with was so one soul could be saved, then it's all worthwhile. I pray that we can see our brokenness in the same way. Because I think that's how God really works. I think that's what the kingdom of God is truly all about. It's never been about healing the temporal illnesses of this life. It's never about making the things that hurt, the disabilities or the pains go away. God thinks bigger than that. It was not about healing the man. I believe it was about the thousands of souls that he would later be saved. That's the kingdom of God. And if we will see our brokenness as a part of God's plan in saving this broken world then I think we'll focus less on our brokenness and the needs we have and more on the one we truly need.
I want to close with this once again. It is only within our brokenness that we will see the pieces lying all around us. It is only within our brokenness that we will come to understand that we cannot put ourselves back together. It is only in our brokenness that we will accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the only one who can put us back together. And it is only in our brokenness that we recognize the simple fact that we are made whole and only made whole in the image of our God. My prayer is this, that our brokenness will not deter us into focusing more on ourselves and our needs. Our brokenness will draw us closer to the one we need. And I pray that through our brokenness, the world out there will know the healing power of Jesus Christ. That's what we read about here. That's what we see amazing stories about there. That is the kingdom of God. That is the working of the Holy Spirit today, just like it was back then. That's the invitation for this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what brokenness stuff you're dealing with. But I want you to know that you can't put the pieces back together by yourself. Only Jesus Christ can. And you're never going to find wholeness out there in the world. You'll only become whole in the image and God through the blood of Jesus. I invite you to come to share. There'll be elders down front, elders in the back. If there's anything that we can do for you, I want you to come now as we stand and as we sing.